The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. All right, good to see you guys. Um, just a reminder, in case it wasn't self-evident, uh, this is the marriage panel. I saw some premarital couples sneak in, but we allowed them to, to do that. I know this because I've been married. And they're not paying attention. I might send them back upstairs. Um, now, there's uh, three couples here that are going to be on our marriage panel tonight. Uh, we got a few questions from last night, and we have some others thrown in there as well. But, there's an angst um, in but also, there are question cards on your tables. So as we spend about the first 20 minutes going through a handful of questions, if more things uh, come to your mind, you want to throw in a question, um, jot that down. Give it to Andrew, who's in the back. Um, and then we'll, after break, we'll throw a few more of those in for what we have time for. Um, I'm going to have these guys introduce themselves in just a minute. Um, for, real quick, restrooms, guys are on your right side, ladies on your left side, coffee, water in the back, snakes, uh, snacks in the middle of the table. Not snakes, definitely snacks. Um, and we'll take a break here in about 20 or 25 minutes. Uh, we were talking before, as we were describing dinner, like, as they sit up here, and this is what I told them in the initial email, it's like, we don't think you guys have the perfect marriage. Therefore, guys, come sit on this panel and disseminate all the information is, to all of us who are trying to figure book. out marriage. Like, all of us are broken. All of us are sinful. All of us are, are needy. And we're seeking to pursue Jesus together. Um, and so, and that's what we see in these couples. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the ones he loves. It's like the most wonderful thing. You guys are getting two classes at once. Lori for <laughs> and myself. Stay with us. Come on. God is weaving from... We good now? From the beginning of the word to the end of it. Story about a billion and We good? Is it coming through? We good? Great. Um, hopefully Lori's voice randomly comes in the background. Um, yeah, we were just talking before. It's like we don't have these set expectations that these three couples have marriage all figured out, and the rest of us are here just to, to write down little nuggets to go go back and apply. Um, we just see the grace of God in their lives and in their marriages as they seek to pursue Christ together. Um, so we're going to throw some questions out, and they're going to um, yeah, just share what they, they have for us tonight. So let me pray for us, and then we'll get started. Father, thank you for marriage. Uh, just like Brian laid out for us last night, uh, it is a, it's, a, it's an, an analogy that you've given to us, um, a substantial analogy of, of what your love is like for your people. May we see it more in light of, of what you've made it to be tonight. Um, may we learn from these couples. May we uh, have good conversations coming out of tonight, uh, around the dinner table, in the car going home, uh, with, with friends and family, uh, moving forward in the weeks ahead. So may we think well about this, this gift of marriage. May we see it grounded in the covenantal love that you've shown to us in Jesus. May that, that frame everything that, that we do and say and think in relation to Thank you for tonight. Give us grace. Uh, help us to see. Help us to delight in you more, um, in our spouses more, um, and to see your glory go forth through our marriages. All right, so before the first question, why don't you guys go through and just introduce yourselves, names, what you do for work, how long you've been married, and your honeymoon. What, what was your honeymoon location? Uh, my name is Eric Fraser. Uh, I'm a regional sales manager for a so, uh, solar panel manufacturer. It's based in California. Uh, so I cover the whole United States for one of their programs. Um, Brooke and I have been married for 11 years, and we've got three kids. 
four, two, and zero. <laughs> uh, four weeks old, just hanging out over there with Aaron, thank you. Um, and I'll let Brooke finish that off. Yeah, I'm a speech pathologist and I worked in early childhood for four years and then about a year ago started staying home full time with our kids. Oh, and we went to Banff and Lake Louise in Canada for our honeymoon. We are Brent and Luann Summers. We've been married 35 and a half years, going on 36. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> um, uh, we've got four kids, and we were married on December 29th, and we went on our honeymoon to Madison, Wisconsin. That's where my brother lived. They were going to be out of their house, and it was the only place we could afford to go. Uh, but we had a good time. <laughs> uh, my name is John Wanberg, and this is Caitlin Wanberg. And uh, I <laughs> hate that question. Uh, I do global knowledge management for a large engineering company. You can just take a guess at what that means. Um, and we've been married for just over two years. And uh, you can talk about our honeymoon. Um, my name's Caitlin Wanberg. I'm a teacher, ninth and tenth grade science. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I, uh, we went on a cruise for our honeymoon to the Western Caribbean. Is that right? I think <laughs> we went to Haiti, <laughs> Haiti, Jamaica, and Cozumel, Mexico. It was sweet. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, one of the resources that we keep on our shelves here at Park, and I highly recommend you guys check out if you've not read it, uh, it's a book by Paul David Tripp called What Did You Expect? Um, it's a really good book to read about one year into marriage. So like those set of expectations that you didn't realize you had all of a sudden comes to the surface, um, and that's the first question, so you guys can start preparing. Um, that, that's basically the way they frame, he frames this entire book, is that we have, we all live for our own kingdoms. Like whether we realize it or not, we have these things that we want, the ways in which we think our lives should be organized, and our spouse becomes functionally a means to that end. And so that, that's the way he starts the book and kind of walks through. We, we have these embedded expectations in our marriages, what does it look like to, to have those be exposed and then repent of those and say, actually, I want to I seek the glory of God and the good of my spouse. So, first question for you guys. What were, what were some of the expectations that you had coming into marriage that turned out differently than you had expected and hoped? And then the second part is, how did you handle those moving forward? Uh, this is kind of an easy one for us. <laughs> so, just to to lay this all out on the table, um, Caitlin and I got married, and, and three months later, she was in the accident that put her in the wheelchair. Um, and so that was a big expectation shift uh, for us uh, in terms of uh, we didn't expect that, like, our vows would kick in that early. Um, <laughs> you know, expect to have some more time before the sickness health thing. Um, but, uh, you know, just, just to clear the air with that, like, like, we had a really rough first year of marriage due to, like, all of these other outside extenuating circumstances. And I think people's tendency, and we get this a lot, is they go, oh, well, what I'm going through is, like, nothing like what you're going through and, and want to make it some sort of, like, comparative thing. Um, but as we talk 
pretty freely about like some of the struggles that we've had. I think the theme is that that in our lives, uh, the hardship and the differences in our expectation have really drawn out from us the ways that we tend to worship things other than God um, and run to those to satisfy us. And so that is just as applicable in your life as it is in ours, and it doesn't take a different degree of suffering, you know, the degree of suffering. We must, I'm just really stubborn, maybe, that's why, you know, we have this kind of stuff, but, um, you know, as we go through, I just really encourage you guys that as we talk about, you know, paralysis as being a big struggle that we have in our lives, like, really try hard not to compare that kind of stuff, because it really, you know, it doesn't bear much fruit, Um, but that was a big change for us. It was a really, really big change, Um, and it was one that Well, and I'll tell you how it affected me, and you can see how this played out. Um, I was borderline ashamed that when my marriage looked really, really differently than I expected, that it felt like I'd screwed up in life, and we'd sort of like burned this one opportunity that I had um, to have my life be the way that I expected it to be. And, you know, I wanted to be like that couple that's like the young, successful, like we go out and we do everything and we're high productivity and, and this and that. And we've just really slowed down a lot. Um, and because of that, you know, God has given us a lot of gifts through that. But I also was really upset, not even so much, and this is like the selfish part of me, not even being like upset and saying, oh, my goodness, you know, my wife, I need to care for her and this kind of stuff. But saying, you know what, like this really screwed up my life. And that is not good. And then I went, whoa, I didn't think that I had that in me. I really need <laughs> Jesus because that's pretty, that's pretty nasty. And so that was a big um, expectation shift that I think is pretty common. Um, I, it was a long time, really, into our marriage when occurred to me, or maybe the Lord showed it to me, let's just say that, that um, I was really thinking he was my savior. That's kind of what I was thinking. Um, you know, they, it finally dawned on me that I, that I was apparently doing that. And, um, and, you know, of course he's not. <laughs> and But I had those expectations on him and didn't even... I didn't even know that, and of course he couldn't be that for me, and that was not fair to him, and it wasn't fair to me either because I need I need the Lord to be my savior, who it, who I always thought was and always was, but I I realized that he you know I couldn't make him um, my husband is not my idol. He's not my idol, and, um, you know, he can't live up to that, and I can't expect it of him. And so, through the course of time, um, it took a little pressure (laughs) off of both of us, Uh, and um, there you are. Can you you tease that out a little further? Because I think, like, what you mean by saying, I, I viewed my husband as my savior... Yeah, because I think that's really helpful. Um, okay, let's see. Well, um, you know, things happen, and you get little pieces of things that add up finally to a thought. 
Um, um, at the time when we were married, I, I was working as the music minister in a church, and, um, um, and which was wonderful, and God was using it, and um, I was thankful for it. Um, but I was working with some people who made it a, an extreme challenge for me, extremely challenging. And, you know, maybe God was challenging me. That's probably it. And, um, but... The fact was that um, because of who I am, I couldn't deal with this. I could not deal with it. I felt like I um, couldn't, I didn't know who I was. I, it was so difficult for me. And I cried a lot and I um, and found myself really depressed about it. And I was alone in Dallas, Texas away from everybody I knew, <laughs> and um, I was 24 and a half, and all of my friends from college, every one of them were married, but I was not, and I was in this hard situation where I couldn't make friends, and the people I was working with didn't like me or something, I don't know, and so when Brent came along, this gift from God came along to save me from all that. And he did. He saved me from it. <laughs> but, you know, of course, that's, that's not right. I mean, that's just not right. And, but it, the, the bad part is it took me too long to, to figure that out. You know, it just took me a long time. But praise God, finally he got through and and so now i have to con have always concentrated on that god is enough for me jesus is enough for me he's enough for me i can expect everything from him everything from him and i can give bren a break <laughs> <laughs> I just expected uh, somebody to do my laundry and, <laughs> and, and that they could match my socks, but um, I was in a, in a meeting at the office one day shortly after we were married and I looked down and I had a blue and a brown sock on. <laughs> and so I was really let down. It was very... Uh, my expectations were just shattered. Um, I'm a neat freak, and uh, I get out of sorts when everything is not just so. And I expected her to keep a perfect house and all that sort of thing. And um, that that took a little bit of time getting getting through. Just a, and the point is, it doesn't have to be a real big thing. You know, uh, it can be a really small thing that drives you crazy. I don't know if you relate to that or not, but uh, uh, you work through the little things and you work through the big things. And uh, without the grace of God, you can allow anything to disrupt your marriage. Yes, sir. Did you 
Uh, I close my eyes a lot and just pretend like it's not messy. Uh, I, it, that, that's something that doesn't uh, go away, but I forgive her when she doesn't <laughs> keep the house just so. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> okay, so one day I realized that I had gotten so impatient with his impatience. <laughs> there you have it. Can I say? <laughs> I'm going to throw in just like one thing. I don't know. We went into marriage being like, oh yeah, we're like not going to have any expectations. Like we're just not going to have any expectations. Like, and we like would talk about that. We'd be like, yeah, and then, no, we don't have those. And then all of a sudden you're arguing and you're fighting. And we didn't, we didn't argue very much before we got married. And we found that a lot of times when digging in the root of those arguments were expectations that we didn't realize that we had. Um, so, um, yeah, I think just recognizing that like there is a route to every argument and a lot of times for us, that's been what that route has been, even if we didn't know that it was there. So like just digging and digging and digging and being willing to say, shoot, we did have expectations, even though we're perfect and we didn't have expectations. So, there you go. I'm glad that's behind us. <laughs> I think um, for us, we were kind of the opposite. We did argue when we were dating, and so I heard people say a lot, I did not realize the depth of my sin until I got married. And so, pridefully, I would kind of think, I mean... We know one another's junk, like, we've had plenty of arguments, like, I don't know what would be so surprising, you know, and I think that was something I didn't expect, like, how much my sin was out on the table, um, and I kind of realized a couple months into marriage that my family had seen it, you know, my parents, my sister, but they didn't choose me, I mean, they were stuck with me, and so there was a lot of justifying for how, like, this is just how I am, this is just what I do, this is just how I argue, and um, there was grace in the fact that once we started arguing, like, God brought to light a lot of those patterns that I had, that I had justified within the context of my family, um, and kind of expected my family to deal with. Now I had somebody who was choosing me, and it kind of brought a new conviction, um, and so on one hand, I felt I don't know, just an encouragement if you're newly married and you're experiencing that. I felt God's grace in what he was doing and revealing some of this grossness to me, but also his grace in the fact that I would wake up in the morning and be like, wow, you're still here. Um, and the picture that that would be of Jesus to be. So. Um, were you going to say something? Well, I guess continuing on that, like there I think there are two ways to go in those moments. Like when you have the frustration, you have the expectation, whether it's, it's explicit or implicit, or just like the, the frustration of the impatience. Either you just kind of make do 
and you know maybe maybe there's a fight, maybe there's a blow up, and then it kind of dissipates and goes away. But over time, you just learn patterns and, and tend to dodge those things. You just learn as a couple to be like, all right, don't don't go there because that's going to lead to something, or to actually address it. Like Caitlin, you were saying, get to the root of it. Like there is something that's there. We actually need to see. Like God has given us marriage as a gift to elicit where we don't trust Him fully, and, and, and so we're seeing that heart idolatry. Now, how do we actually apply the gospel? And I think it's so easy to talk about, okay, we love Jesus, love the gospel, now go apply it in your life, and then we don't really know what that means. How have you guys actually walked through in certain seasons saying, okay, this is what it's looked like for us um, to, to at least try to apply the gospel to that situation? That's a good question, Neil. Um, <laughs> you know, I think uh, going back even to like expectations, the, the last question, like um, one of the things that surprised me was, you know, when you get married, you're, you know, you're technically one, right? And you, you make your vows, you leave, and you, you leave as one person, right? Uh, but you're still two very different people. And so you're like you're starting this journey, and uh, 11 years into marriage, it's amazing how like um, more you coalesce and become truly one. And a lot of that is having to figure out like the conflict fight fair and struggle through that. But I think um, recognizing, what's helped for Brooke and I is recognizing that, uh, you know, I have more of like a less confrontational bent, and Brooke's more confrontational, and um, we've learned to like balance each other out in that uh, and, and grow through it. And so it's, it's been exercising patience and uh, being willing to kind of step outside of, you know, this is how I was raised and this is how my family, you know, my family's all about grace give people the benefit of the doubt and you know, we're, you know we let things slide but beneath that there can be like a layer of you know just not wanting to address conflict and maybe Brooks on the other side of that and so uh, we've learned how to just communicate through that and call call things what they are and um, blessing that's made us both a lot stronger I mean I think we have to ask different questions when we approach a, com- a conflict I have to ask myself is this a time that I need to extend grace um, and show Eric the grace that Christ has shown me? Um, because my control wants to attack an issue at the first time it happens, to see an incident as a pattern, to try to avoid long-term stuff. Um, and Eric has to ask himself, like, you know, he's awesome at, ex- like, you know, Brooke didn't sleep last night. That's probably why she's acting crazy. But he needs to, you know, ask himself, like, has she been doing this for, like, two months, and should I see if there's something? Yeah, because the problem you know. is, like, early in our marriage, I would be, you know, totally cool, lots of grace, and then all of a sudden I, you know, as most people who seem really laid back on the surface, they're like, this is great, I'm crazy on you. And so I'd be like, <laughs> uh, I'd be like, all right, you know, I'm ticked off, and I just laid out a laundry list of things that Brooke's been, you know, doing to wrong me. And she's kind of like, whoa, dude, like, that was like three weeks ago. <laughs> Just tell me in the moment. Let's deal with that in the moment. I'm like, I thought I'd forgiven you, but evidently I hadn't. So yeah. learning to identify that stuff. Yeah, so we've, I mean, we've had to look at one another's strengths in terms of, like, how we deal with adversity in our marriage and kind of ask ourselves, like, I need to be asking some questions about this like this versus kind of following our own path. You know, I, I think that one thing for for us um, 
in terms of like how do we apply the gospel is uh, like for me in times when I feel really really frustrated um, like for me so much so much of it's tied up in like whether or not I feel like I'm being respected or whether I'm being disrespected and so if Caitlin's doing something and I feel wronged and I feel disrespected um, my tendency is to is to say either I'm going to like eat it but sort of like harbor the same sort of reservation that Eric is is talking about which isn't healthy and not good um, but in in that moment like the application of the gospel is to consider like when I treat Jesus this way, how does he react to me? Um, and how can I just directly do that for my wife? And, and the, I think the most difficult thing for me is to say, oh, in those moments that I feel like slighted or wronged, um, to not hold it back, but like tell Caitlin, but then also to seek her good in that. Um, not so like, oh, you can correct your behavior so that you don't do this to me again. Um, but to to be saying, I, you know, I want health in this relationship, and I want you to know more the character of God, and so I'm going to try as best I can to reflect that in the midst of, of when I feel really hurt, um, and I'm not going to hide that I feel hurt, but I'm going to be vulnerable that I feel hurt, um, and that's how I wish I did it. <laughs> Thank you for leaving it at that. <laughs> um, so... I don't know if this like really answers the question at all, but um, a lot of it is like when you're working through stuff, when we're working through stuff, so much of it is timing. Um, a lot of it, exactly like Brooke said, is learning like when do I give John grace versus when do I push into it? Um, because there's, like, for me, that's been something I've had to learn so much. It's so easy to just, like, snap at anything um, versus understanding, like, John has had, like, a super long day, and he has a lot of stress, and that's probably what's causing him to be a crazy person. That's, like, when Brooke <laughs> said that, I was, like, totally I'm learning that, like, big time. But um, also just, like, giving him the benefit of the doubt, as in... He's not intentionally trying to harm me. That's, like, I trust that he's not trying intentionally to harm me. Therefore, like, my reaction should be such that, like, I'm coming from a place of that understanding. Um, and trusting that, like, he wants to hear what I have to say because he doesn't want to harm me. And so if something he's doing is doing that... Um, he's going to want to work on it. Therefore, he's going to want to hear me out. Um, so, like, having the confidence in our marriage to be able to say that. Um, yeah. And knowing that, like, we're both giving each other the benefit of the doubt. That. And that also, just from the, the flip side, uh, if I'm really stressed out, and so I'm just kind of, like, picking at Caitlin and picking at little things that she does because I feel like my life is out of control, so I try and control everything that she's doing. Control, you know, that's my... That's the idol that's under the idol. Um, it's, uh, it escalates if she turns around and says, what are you doing, you know, doing this to me? And she starts yelling at me. And if she, if she says, you know, hon, that hurt. Um, you're being really harsh with me, but I know you're just stressed. Then I go, oh, I'm a terrible human. And... <laughs> um, <laughs> 
she's absolutely right, and <laughs> I am really stressed. And then I'm like, yeah, you know, you're right, and let's go to bed, you know. But then it doesn't it doesn't escalate <laughs> for me. And so when when she steps in and mirrors the way that that like Jesus loves us and being truthful, but also um, abundant in grace, then then that like very much diffuses uh, the spiral for us of oh, well, I'm stressed, and so I'm going to be mean to you. And she's like, well, you're being mean to me, so I'm going to be mean to you. And then you're like, ah! <laughs> That's how that ends, I think. <laughs> yeah. We do it perfectly every time, don't we? Yep, nope. Got it. <laughs> okay. From this moment on, keep you coming. <laughs> <laughs> this is coming from a 35-and-a-half-year perspective. Don't be surprised when something comes up yet again. You think you've got it worked out until the next time. And, you know, I mean, these guys seem like they've really got it together. We didn't really have it all together. We're pretty sinful people. And she's really sinful. <laughs> Uh, but I was amazed at how often, not how, how often, because it might be three years, might be way down the road, but something would come up again, and I thought, I thought we worked through this. Is that don't be surprised when that happens, just deal with it in, in the way that John described, <laughs> that that's the way that it needs to be handled, and yet... Um, it, we were talking about this last night. Uh, you know, a layer is torn off or peeled off, and you think everything is good until you find out there's another layer to peel off, and then there's another layer to peel off, and you keep going through these things. And uh, I was kind of rereading through uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader and about Eustace. You guys read, read those books where he's a dragon and he, he's trying to do that. He's, he, you know, he did it three times, took off his skin and only to find out that he was still a dragon. And we, we took off our skins a bunch of times only to find out we were still a dragon. And it's only when Aslan pierced him almost to the heart and ripped off that skin that he became a boy again. And that started the cure for him. And that's the only way that you're going to change. You can work through all these issues and feel like you've got it down, but we were sinful enough that we, we just needed God's grace to work through that for us. And, and he's still doing that. Um, I, I really think that maturity is all about recognizing the depth of your sinfulness and the need for God's grace. And I think we feel that more now than we did 10 years ago and 20 years ago. And 
God's going to keep working in us, but that's that's the way it works. You're not going to get to a perfect stage where your marriage is just just right. Uh, you're always going to be dealing with something, and sometimes you're going to be dealing with the same thing over and over again until you finally allow God to work in that and and take care of it for you. Yeah, I think we're done. That was good. Um, I love that because it's always, we're always in process of, of being sanctified further. At the same time, like you mentioned earlier, it could be like a three-year period where it's like, man, we're in the same pattern. We, we all experience hard seasons, dark seasons. They could be for one week. They could be for one year. They could be for one decade. Um, but a lot of times when we're in those seasons, like when we feel that hardship and frustration, it's hard to see oh, God is actually doing something good here. Like he's actually working for my good, for the good of our marriage, you know, the health of, of us as his sons and daughters. Um, can you guys offer some perspective, like some season of hardship, some difficulty, be it external, be it internal, and how God has worked in the midst of that, even though there were days when you woke up and it's like, this is just hard. Like, and I feel like it's the same thing over and over and over again, but now being on the outside of it, it's like, I see what God has done there. Like, he's worked his grace for our good. Well, the first scripture that comes to mind is, um, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And I trust that um, through 35 years of marriage and all the rest of the time when I wasn't married, he's still... Oh, he's still working his will through my life. Um, I'm not perfect yet, and I won't be until I'm perfected in heaven, you know. And, um, and I trust God that he is continually working in me. And the, f- the cool thing about marriage is, well, it's the cool thing, and it's also the hard thing. <laughs> is that you get to work together with somebody else and um, they get to be the one person that rubs you smooth. And, um, and so, you know, I have these really calloused heels. <laughs> and so, you know, what you have to do to those, you just have to sandpaper them till they're smooth and all that. Well, it hurts, you know. And so... The pain that we feel together against each other is what God uses to grow us together. You know, he, it's what he uses to make us one. And, um, and I think it's like the suffering that, um, you know, since our marriage is an... Um, a picture of Christ and his church, I think the sufferings that happen in the church um, are like that in marriage. The, the sufferings is what causes us to grow and to heal together and to bond and to scrape off the ugly and peel off the layers. <laughs> and all of that is equal to 
God's um, beautiful love for his church um, and our love for each other. And, and like he talked about last night, it's such a beautiful, it's a beautiful picture. I just love it. You don't have to. Don't feel pressure. Feel pressure. A little bit. Um, there's two seasons. I was trying to think through which one to talk about. After kids, is there another question about kids? Um, yeah. Okay, so I won't go there. But I would say our third year of marriage, we've been married two years. And, you know, Brooke and I got married really young, right out of college. And we were, had really busy lives, lots of friends. We stayed in our college town of Austin, Texas. Uh, and we are both super in, involved at church. And we had super different ministries. Brooke was doing sorority ministry, and I was leading worship for a singles ministry. Um, so we were just on different sheets of music entirely. But, um, but then we left our, our jobs, and we moved overseas to do missions work. And, you know, that was uh, a pretty in- influential season in our life. But the, the biggest shock to us was, like, uh, you know, we were married, but we didn't see each other a whole heck of a lot. We, when we had very busy lives. And then here we are thrown uh, into an environment where we're, like, co-workers, technically. Uh, we're in a in a culture where we don't speak the language, our, our team of eight is like our life group. Or they're our everything. And so uh, so we, we were enrolled in a school together. So we were coworkers, classmates, part of, like, we were, we were just with, with each other 24-7. And so at first it was just, like, a lot of nagging, nitpicking stuff. Uh, then we kind of got through that <laughs> and learned a lot about just having grace for each other. Um, and the cool thing about it, the blessing that really came out of it was just the ability to see kind of what each of our giftings were. Like, I, I wasn't in on Brooke's sorority Bible studies for obvious reasons, and so uh, I never really saw her ability to, like, uh, see a woman and have a vision for where she could be spiritually and, like, and disciple her towards that. And it was, like, amazing to see her doing that with these, um, with, the, with these young women where we were living. And so uh, that was a really hard season just because uh, it forced us there, there were no escapes, you know. Like one of my idols is comfort and control, and so you're in a, a different culture where you really can't control hardly anything, and all of my comforts, uh, which is really good coffee and um, some other things that weren't accessible there, so I had to just like <laughs> deal with that stuff, and it was really hard, it was really rich, um, and so, yeah. Yeah, and I think like this feeling of like, as we were nagging one another and like arguing almost every day, which we hadn't had that frequency in our first two years of marriage, like, kind of being, and I think we do this in our own spiritual life, too, like, what is this, like, new junk that's coming to the surface? Like, are we getting worse? Like, are we derailing? Um, And just, like, seeing the reality of, like, God's grace in revealing those sins, revealing, like, the comforts that we held as idols, even the things that, like, were kind of like small surface issues like I'm perpetually late Eric loves being on time and like that's you know something that we have to like address in our marriage but also at the heart of it like Eric did not feel respected when I was constantly late to something that he needed to be at and so um there were just like certain scenarios of that that looking back things that we could have always said like these are just surface issues no big deal this is how we're different like we were able to get to the heart of some of that nitpicking and deal with more of our core issues and heart issues. So. Um, during our marriage and beforehand, uh, we've had we've had a couple of seasons where Caitlin was really 
dealing with depression. Um, and uh, like so much of the, the difficulty of that is to see somebody that you really love who's, who's suffering, and you know, that's got corollaries as well to, to Kate's injury as well. But um, to see somebody who you really love who's suffering and you are, are totally unable to fix it. Right, like you have no ability to make it better, you have no ability to fix it, um, and then you know the thing about depression is that it also comes with this note of hopelessness, where it's not just like, um, oh, I feel really sad, but it's I feel really sad, and it's going to be this way forever, um, and then that also, I think, uh, you know, depression's funny because there's a there's a physiological component to it, but then it's also really an opportunity for Satan to come in and attack and feed you lies at a time when you're really vulnerable. And so then there's the spiritual component where, um, you know, if Kate's feeling really down, Satan comes in and says, you know, this is because, like, God hates you because you've, like, done something wrong, because you've got, like, some unrepentant sin in your life, and therefore, like, you know, you've got to change stuff, or it's, like, this person or that person in your life. And so it leads to a lot of, like, sort of superstition and paranoia around, like, how am I leading my life? And uh, it's, you know, it's really important to root that in, in biblical truth, but I couldn't always be the person to give that to her. Um, and so I would say, uh, as another, like, just piece of, of advice is, um, I found myself in this position where it's like, I know the biblical truth that my wife needs, but she's just like, she won't receive that from me. Um, what she needs is other women of God who are around her and can speak truth into her life repeatedly. And so the community of people that was around us in those times um, was just absolutely essential for our marriage. And, and, you know, I can point to some of my friends' wives and single women that we knew who were uh, the greatest advocates for our relationship and for our marriage um, and were far more effective than we would be if we're trying to go at it alone. Um, so that was that was a really tough time, but also just an incredible expression of of God's grace through community with people who are saying, "I'm for you, and I'm willing to drop everything to 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 be here with you in a really tough life." And um, <laughs> it was really exciting. It's good timing, <laughs> um, and uh, and to really you know speak over us the the truth and the promises of God. Um, let's take a break, but I want to come back to that afterward and talk about like what's been the role of community in your marriages, um, both in seasons where maybe you've shied away from it and where it's gone really well and how that's been a support. Let's take like five, seven minutes. Um, again, we've got two books up here. If you guys want to check them out, one is Paul David Tripp. The other is by Tim and Kathy Keller um, called The Meaning of Marriage. Uh, both excellent resources, so check those out. We only have one square in the building because they just updated everything, so the old ones don't work. So if you want to buy a book... Uh, with credit card, it's upstairs, cash, you can just throw it up here. So five, seven minutes, and we'll gather right together. Great, so I got, I got one question card. Are there any other question cards that are filled out, floating around, that you guys want to toss up here? Great. Um, let's come back to what we were talking about just before break. Um, what has community looked like for you guys in your marriages? Both the positive aspects and, and perhaps the negative as well. Uh, as far as being involved in community? Yeah. I think it's been huge for our marriage. 
That's a plug for getting involved in gospel community groups. Um, yeah, I mean, it takes, I think it was C.S. Lewis perhaps that said it takes a group to define you. So it just helps to have um, other godly couples that are going through similar stuff that you are or have already gone through it. But uh, we've had some super, super rich times of community um, when we were overseas with that group of eight, uh, when we spent time in Dallas. And I think when we, uh, I kind of geek out on like mapping every year on our anniversary, we do like a, I say we, I do like a year in review. Uh, I just like mapping stuff out. I look at signposts and even like where we lived and how many places and, and just looking for like, what's God doing in our lives and where is he taking us? And so, um, but I think, I'm not sure where I was going with that, but I think community uh, has been amazing. How would you add to that, Brooke? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I just think like, there have been people who have known us since before we were us and like maintaining, obviously you can't have hundreds of friends from every life season throughout all of life, but like the two close friends I have that knew us before we were us and know us deeply in our marriage now, that has been crucial, like that long-term perspective on who God made me to be, how I've grown, and even a vision for, you know, um, who I will be, like that's been crucial. And then people who are with us in the day in, day out, like who see, you know, patterns, who, you know, even like in having consistent conversations, like with the same couple of women, like every week or a couple times a month, like I even see patterns in what I'm talking about, um, like what are challenges in our marriage and like even like without them saying anything, like I start to see things in my heart that I'm like, wow, like when I hear myself say that to another person, I kind of see what Eric see. <laughs> um, and so, um, yeah, so I mean, I think, yeah, those kind of, like there's, there's two, there's in the moment relationships and long-term relationships that have been really crucial for me in our marriage. Um, so there are, John already kind of touched on this in terms of talking about like other women that I've needed to have in my life where I'm like more likely to receive truth from them, um, like to be receptive of it than from him. One big thing um, that has been vital for me in terms of talking with other women has been about sex. Um, just because a lot of times, um, like talking with your husband is really good when you're talking about sex, but it's also important for me to talk with other women about how they are doing with sex and things that work well for them when they're having sex, things that they're struggling with. How do you rightly serve your husband or your wife when you're having sex? And for me, I'm not going to be able to learn those things just from John. I need to learn those things from other women. Um, so I have a friend that I meet with who has really struggled with that in her marriage. And so it's so good for um, us to be able to talk about it. Um, and it like has produced so much fruit in her marriage and also in mine because whenever you bring something like sex out from like under the blanket, then, like, literally and figuratively. <laughs> like, 
so much fruit comes from it and so many good things come from it and it becomes this thing that like can be fun and can be funny and can be beautiful and can be goofy and can be like serious and very intimate and should be all of those things um but unless you like have it out in the open and are like talking really in a vulnerable way about it a lot of times it's not seen in that way but I think it's meant to be seen in that way so that's just like one really specific way that community has been valuable for me and uh one of the women that Caitlin meets with is a wife to a guy that I meet with regularly for accountability. Um, and so there are, like, as a couple, um, you know, we're looking to bless this other couple and they're looking to bless us. And so sometimes, you know, I'll be talking to my buddy and he's just, um, you know, he's been getting denied a lot, you know, when it comes to sex or he's having, you know, some issue uh, with his wife and we trust each other and, um, you know, he trusts Caitlin and, um, his wife trusts me. And so I go home and I say, Hey, Kate, you should talk to, you know, so-and-so about this. And then she goes and does it. And we can like really bless them, not by being a go-between, but by saying, Oh, we actually know you and we know your struggles and we're not going to like broker between you, but definitely when, you know, there are issues of accountability. We are looking to refine each other in really meaningful ways. And so they've been a real blessing to us and we've been a real blessing to them. And that's a very important function of, of community and not just like surface letter level community, but these people that we know and we hang out with who we're like, you know about our sex life and we know about yours. And it's not awkward because, you know, it's, it's done in this context of, of we all really care about each other and, and want good for each other. Um, I think it's like everything else. Over 35 years, uh, we've gone through seasons where we had strong community, and we've gone through seasons where uh, that community was lacking. And like everything else, you tend to take for granted what you have, and then when you don't have it... (laughs) you feel it acutely. Um, When we just moved, we've been here for three years here in Denver, and uh, when we moved here, we had a hard time finding a church, and we were lonely. Uh, We were empty nesters, so our kids weren't around. Our our daughter was here. Uh, But we felt it, and really... uh, suffered for it, wanted it, desired it greatly. Uh, We were in Salt Lake City for a long time, and I had a men's group that we met uh, every week through summer, all year round, and I, I, I was amazed at how much I missed them. Um, still do. And that community that we had at that point was uh, vital uh, in my in my own growth, and um, they're still meeting, and I still communicate with them uh, by email, which is really fun, but it's not the same thing. And I think that uh, some of the times when 
our, the seasons have been lacking in community and we felt it. Uh, sometimes that was our own fault. As much as we wanted it, we didn't pursue it. And that's not a good thing. Uh, as I have told Neil before, I, I don't have a lot of wisdom to share, but I've got a lot of experiences, and I can tell you a lot of things not to do. Don't do that. Don't hold back. Don't... Um, don't hesitate to seek out community in a body somewhere because you absolutely have to have it and uh, you're foolish if you don't. And I mean, that's, that's about as simple as it gets. Um, I, I wish, uh, I regret that I didn't seek it out when, when we didn't have it and seeing what we have when we do have it, uh, I don't know why that didn't convince me not to, to seek it out. I'm, I'm an introvert by nature. A lot of people are surprised at that. But it's real easy for me to just sit back. And I, I don't know if that's a guy thing or if it's just an introvert thing, but it was real easy for me to sit back and not go out and get it. Uh, but, but it, it's it's a must as as a, as a married couple. He is the best person he can be when he is in deep community with God's family. He is the best man he can possibly be in that community and you all are kind of there right now i mean this is this has been wonderful for us to be here with you all it's really really wonderful and um and i see i mean yeah i told him who are you and what have they done with brent <laughs> you know <laughs> what have you done with brent because he's um he's having a good time and the lord's using him he's all all this joyful person and it's just fun to get to know this other person you know that you think you've known 35 years you know here here's another one <laughs> I love you guys <laughs> um, so a theme that keeps coming out is the fact that yes we go through different seasons as couples but also as individuals so we become functionally different people um, so the question that, that came during the break was, how do we, how do we learn to, to grow with, to love that person who becomes different people along the way? So, so what does that, that journey and that process look like? I don't know. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, that's right out of uh, Keller's book, right? You marry a different person. When you, when you get married... It's a different person. And that was, you know, I told you earlier, don't be surprised about stuff. Don't be surprised at that. Uh, and we change, too. Right? Yeah. Well, I want to say something, but I just don't know what it is. Man, I, you know, you, okay, talk about the seasons of your life. You know, first you, 
you know, you're just this happy young married couple and, and you have some challenges and you work through them and it makes you better and, and you argue, but you're okay. And, and then there comes a time where um, you have your kids and then your husband's a completely different person than you ever knew. And so am I. I mean, I'm a mother he's never experienced and he's a father I've never experienced or whatever. And, and, and so, and then when the kids get older, then there's new challenges, different challenges, bigger challenges. They turn you into another person. They turn you into another person because you're growing as these problems are growing. These children are growing. Your world is growing. It changes. You get disabilities. You get sicknesses. There are things you deal with and you become another person. And, and truly, <laughs> there, what are the many faces of Eve or what was, the, what was the, the three faces of Eve? Anyway, that's stupid old movie. And, um, <laughs> and um, so the way you work through that is <laughs> that Jesus, okay, just this week, I knew in my heart when I was having a really, really bad day and um, you know, you, you have patterns in your thinking. Do you? Does anyone else have patterns in their thinking? I have patterns in my thinking and the patterns can be not good. I mean, just that, and I can attack myself. Okay, so my patterns get to be where I I beat on myself. I should have been better. I sh- shame on me, okay? And so I was having a shame on me day. And, um, and I s- realized, and the Lord just said his word to me, I love you as much as you love your granddaughter. Because I have a three-year-old granddaughter. She's adorable. And she's a willful little thing and that girl and I don't care what she does I think she's the most adorable thing I have ever seen and God loves on me that way and all of these people that I am through the course of all this time he already knew I was going to be like that and that doesn't bother him a bit he's got my back he knows he's working on me. He's going to see me through it, you know. But I feel like a schizophrenic. And I, f- <laughs> and I mean that. And I mean that. And I feel like he's even worse. You know? <laughs> and that's the truth. And that's the- <laughs> Um, great. Let's, um, Eric and I have actually had a lot of conversations about this. So if, if we take seriously the call for us as husbands, this is just, just a minute here. Um, we, we actually put on display the character of Jesus as husbands. Now, we don't always do that very well. Oftentimes we don't. So we're, we're functionally lying about who Jesus is when, when we do that. Uh, but 
what does fighting passivity look like? We're called to this sacrificial love, the, the Ephesians 5 type of, and I'm laying down my life for the good, for the nourishment, for the, the cherishing of my bride, of my wife. Um, how, how do you guys fight passivity? How, how do you fight the, uh, just, just the inward bent uh, that we so often feel? Yeah, I mean, I feel like as, as men, this is our big challenge, right? Like we, and you can see it if you start at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. I feel like that was kind of Adam's fall, wasn't it, that, you know, he was complicit. It's like he was in cruise control. He wasn't, he wasn't engaged. He wasn't paying attention. And so, uh, and so I think, you know, that's, that, I think one of the questions was like, where do you fail to lead in your relationship as a man that Neil had on his, on his list? Uh, and I don't have to dig very deep to like, you know, probably the last 48 hours to, to find a, a, an example of that. And I think the most common is like just, uh, it's so easy after a long day of work or traveling to like just want to check out. And so uh, I think recognizing that that's our bent is helpful for men. Like, um, so that when we're doing that, we don't try and justify it. It's like, no, this isn't, uh, this isn't what we're called to. This isn't loving. And so um, I think recognizing it, uh, having the discipline to not turn on sports center so maybe that's not for everyone but you know cut the cord for cable if you need to do that but uh and and then just being really intentional to um and and i've had to grow in this a lot so like you know as brooke and i have been married that's one of the things that i've grown in the most is like being able to have an engaging conversation i was pretty good at the first question right like the good token you know how was your day darling uh and then she would talk for five minutes and i'm like awesome that's great so uh usually like wait like I just revealed a bunch of things that you could have like peeled a little deeper into. So, um, <laughs> so I had to grow in that, but I think it's just, yeah, being aware of it, uh, in fighting it. And I think, uh, going back to the community question, having like godly men in your life, that are like asking you those same questions. You know, I talked to my, uh, I'm pretty close to my brothers too. Well, we talk on a daily basis almost. And it's like, Hey, you know, what's, what's Jen struggling with? It's like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I haven't asked her in a couple of days, so it's like, you know, it, uh, the community piece is important too, but I think as men we recognize it, and as men we hold each other accountable to it so that we can, um, you know, not slip into cruise control because it's, it's easy to do. Yeah, <laughs> what you said. Uh, being with a bunch of guys helps, I think, in the right context, not at the bar watching sports, but in a Christian community um, and recognizing it. I, I remember I read a book, I don't know, 20 years ago maybe, uh, The Silence of Adam. And uh, that made a believer out of me. Um, and it, like I've already shared, that's my tendency and I know it. I think it's a lot of guys, but I think I'm particularly prone to it because I am introverted by nature. And it's it's very easy for me to slip into that passive role because you don't feel like um, you're doing anything wrong. It doesn't feel wrong when you're passive like that. Uh, but it's not right. And... Um, being with guys uh, that will encourage you in the right direction is 
is vital. I, I, I think I've said that already, but it can't be emphasized enough. Um, well, you, know, you guys are, are really blessed. Uh, I hope you know that. Just by being here and having good teaching, uh, weekend and week out, having good seminars like this to go to, take full advantage of that. I am just so serious about that. Take full advantage of it uh, because it will pay off huge dividends down the road. You won't make some of the stupid mistakes that I made. And um, you, <laughs> you won't learn the hard way like I did. Uh, you'll, you'll be well beyond where, where I am now. And that's, um, you have that. You have that. You've got the makings of it. Take advantage of it. Here's a, here's a recent example. Uh, so last night, (laughs) 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 um, after we had come in and sat at this seminar, we got in the car and uh, we settled in and we pulled out onto uh, 37th and I turned the radio on and Caitlin goes, can you turn that off and debrief with me about tonight? And I said, okay, and turned the radio off. And uh, I, I think that one of the most important things for me to do, and that was you know, like a pretty obvious cue, uh, <laughs> girls can like you can like be like hey yeah thanks you know need it <laughs> um but don't just sit around and twirl your thumbs you can be like hey but it, you know it, it's pretty easy because i was like i was pretty exhausted last night and i was like i don't really want to debrief about you know what they just talked about and so that's that's a little window into my head because scary in there um but uh you know i didn't really want to but caitlin gave me this like opportunity of grace in saying like i'm going to communicate really clearly with you and when she does that i need to be like you know like ears up and be like oh okay i'm going to rally and i'm going to really engage with her um because if she's asking for that and then i could easily be like yeah sure let's debrief and then just be like <laughs> you know, and and not actually try and engage with her and figure out what she's thinking and and what she's feeling and you know why she feels the need to to really debrief and and all of that kind of stuff. And so I'm not always good at saying, let me you know like let the whole burden be on me for thinking up all of the creative ways that my wife needs to be loved. But when she communicates those things to me, I like better be listening. Um, so that that's one thing is just like listening so that when she when she is is clear with me, um, I uh, I don't then take a back seat and say, okay, let me wash over, let, let's let this wash over me. Um, the other one is I think that sometimes uh, as men, it's just like really important to make uh, decisions about how we spend our time. Um, and so we've, you know, like we had a, a pretty recent time when we were like double or triple booked or whatever. And um, we just hadn't gotten time together. And so I kind of made a call and I said, no, we're not going to do this other stuff. Like, we got to go and spend some time together. Um, and it was like not, I mean, you weren't, you weren't like really happy about it in the moment. It was kind of stressful. Um, and 
it's just like one of those things where I think it's really important to say there are times that that like as as a man I'm going to be like we we like have to prioritize our relationship and what's going on here um, and just kind of making that call and then me being the one to take the heat for that with other people canceling or this and that not to like throw the stress on Caitlin but for me to take the heat from that and so that's another way is to to guard time and I don't always do that well but um, when I do make those decisions generally it bears good fruit I think this for me too and probably for many of us men is like this is kind of a litmus test for how we're engaging in our, in our relationship with Christ and so like I find that um, in the same way we have to pursue our wives and we're not engaged in that um, you, you kind of set like a window into my head right it's like um, my lack of engagement a lot of times is a window into my relationship with God and so sometimes that can be a good you know uh, example or litmus test of where you're at just in your relationship with Christ just have a handful of minutes left. Um, so if each of you could take just a, a few seconds, uh, what's, what's one or two rhythms or patterns or habits or disciplines that you've established in your home, in your marriages, that you found helpful? Um, it could be as simple as, hey, we, you know, we, we won't go to sleep until we've resolved whatever tension's there, or to hey, we pray together three times, whatever it is. Just share something that's been helpful for you guys. Um, this is like, I don't know, like they like kind of become like natural things that you kind of do. So sometimes it's hard to think of them, but when you do think about them, you're like, oh yeah, that's like really nice. That like bonds us together. But even John, like a lot of times he's up before me, but before he leaves, he'll always come and like say bye to me and give me a kiss before he leaves. And like, whether you like think that's a rhythm or not, like it is. And it shows me that, like, he has thought, like, oh, I would like to go and, like, see my wife and see her eyes and give her a kiss before I leave. And that's valuable to me. Um, or, um, I don't know, praying before we go to bed um, is, is something that's been important and good. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that just, like, becomes kind of like a natural thing saying actually saying hi to each other when you get home from work sometimes that's like hard we'll look at each other our like line is oh did we forget something and then we'll like I'll roll over and give him a kiss and like yeah I mean we did forget something it's really important so just like those little reminders of like you're valuable I'm happy to see you I want to give you a kiss before we go to bed I want to give you a kiss before I leave for the day like this is important and I'm going to remember it yeah um this is this is one that's like it's a a product of Caitlin being injured but I think has turned into like a really phenomenal practice but she needs help just like carrying stuff or like watering the garden um where it's just like she can't do it by herself and pretty early on um I, th I think you told me this. You were like, when you come and help me, um, and even if it's like helping you get into the car or something simple like that, um, she said, when you come and help me, um, don't just come and treat it like it's a task. Like, spend time with me when you're doing that. Um, and so now, like, it, you know, Kate comes home from work, and or I come home from work if she gets home before me, and 
She's like, will you come help me water the garden? We go out and we sit out there together and I water the garden and, and we like talk. And so doing things that are everyday things, but seeing them as, as like, you know, because we, we have to get stuff done. We have to take care of our house. But seeing like that everyday thing as, oh, this is actually like, time that we get to spend together. It's something that we actually get to do together. And instead of saying, let's focus on just getting this task done, um, it's actually uh, an opportunity to dig in and love each other and, and debrief during the day. And so we're like doing stuff during all of our talk time um, for most of it during the day. Um, and it's really refreshing and it's really like our, our way to catch up in a really phenomenal rhythm just to be like, oh, we're going to slow down and like we're not just trying to power through this, but we're actually going to spend time together and, and talk and see it that way. I think one of the best things that we've always done is um, from the very beginning, really, I can't say 100%, but almost every day we speak to each other during the day sometime. And that's, that's been really important to me. You know, I mean, I, I call him, he calls me, we, whatever, something happens where we speak to each other during the day. And that, uh, you know, for us, that was important. For me, that was important, and I'm really thankful for it. Um, um, and sometimes he, he reads to me. And I love that. And um, um, he's a bookaholic, and so um, so sometimes just to spend time with him, he he reads to me, <laughs> and that's and that's good because you know the brains get together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The problem with reading is that it kind of isolates you, yeah. particularly if your spouse is not as avid a reader as you are. And, um, and, and so that works well for us, uh, for me to read uh, to her. Um, we hold hands a lot. We, we just like to have that touch. Uh, and we laugh a lot. And I would say, I mean, if I left you with anything, and, and I mean, this is assuming that you're doing all the right things, that you're praying together, that you're reading scripture together, that you're going to worship together, all those things, right? Uh, but spend time together laughing. Learn to laugh at yourselves. Um, that's huge. Um, I think... I guess I'll go less from day to day and more to like season to season of life. I think one of the rhythms that we have um, is the best we can, like as we're transitioning from one season into the next, trying to create some space um, to pray and fast about what's to come and then to get together and talk about it. And so like historically that's looked like we've stayed in a hotel for a weekend, you know, like when we decided to move up here, we've stayed in a hotel for a weekend. We spend like a whole day, um, like both of us kind of in scripture, kind of praying through what we see next and asking God to cast a vision for that and then coming together the next day and just kind of hashing out like 
kind of what that looks like to bring those visions together and even trusting that God's uniting those visions in our individual time. And so I think like taking some kind of retreat together and looking at like the big picture um, of what God's doing in the story that he's writing in our life has been a really great season to season rhythm for us. And I'll just say um, having kids is kind of forced us to have more seasons I feel like since we put the kids down and we're kind of at the house and so that's been the time that we really engage and solve the problems of the world together I feel like um, Brooks trained me really well over the last 11 years to, to ask questions so that's that's our time but even with our kids like bedtimes and reading the bible and you know watching little youtube videos with our kid you know, and so um, that's been some of our seasons and they our rhythms and they've changed throughout different seasons but yeah Eric, would you uh, pray for us to close out? Father, we thank you. We love you. Uh, we, we thank you, first of all, for your son, Jesus, Lord, and for the grace uh, that you've modeled for us um, through him. God, that we would uh, seek to be like Christ in the way we love our spouses. Um, God, I thank you for the grace uh, of this group and for this church and for men and women, men and women that... Uh, long and desire uh, to build strong marriages and to walk together through these uh, challenges and through these um, celebrations. So Father, uh, God, w- may we not be uh, grow, grow weary in pursuing each other. Uh, God, keep us excited about this gift that you've given us. Uh, and Lord, give us grace uh, every day to fall on our faces and to uh, worship you uh, and to um, learn more about what it looks like uh, to pursue you. Face in your name. Amen. Amen.